So we're continuing our study of Christian maturity. I was glad to have Ben stand in for me last week. His lesson really dovetails nicely with what we're talking about this week and the week before as well. And I think we'll, we're going to try to make some of those connections. But it was nice that, you know, that worked out that way, that uh, these things, um, you know, will all fit together. We've been talking about Christian maturity specifically with regard to assurance. Uh, what does it mean? Are you mature if you have assurance? Are you mature if you just have a little bit of assurance or a lot of assurance? What does all that mean? So we've been talking about the relationship between love okay, and assurance as well, uh, our love relationship with God and how that gives us assurance. So today um, we're going to review uh, what I call the paradigm of intimate conversations. It's a term. We're going to talk about it. it's how conversations between people bring them together, how that really happens. And, of course, our big conversation is with God. And so if we understand how conversation, God gave us conversation, how conversation brings us together, then we can understand our relationship with God. Uh, Pastor Ben talked about this some last week. Um, and we'll kind of flesh that out so we have a better understanding of that. Uh, for me, understanding this was kind of a step forward, maybe a little more maturity for myself in understanding what that relationship between Jesus Christ and ourselves are. So we're going to go over this kind of repetitively today so I can hopefully uh, get it, make it clear enough so that it's uh, understandable to you all. We're also going to talk about the biochemistry of this. Um, I do this for Dr. McKnight just to keep him uh, entertained. He's our chemist. Uh, so that's the only reason he showed up this morning. We're talking about chemistry, right? So uh, we're going to talk about the chemistry because there is a biochemistry. There is a physiology that goes along with all of this. And, of course, one of our themes over the last several weeks has been uh, that God certainly reveals himself in his creation and he reveals himself uh, in words as well. Those two always hook together. In the past, we talked about uh, Colossians 3.3 and uh, George Herbert's poem about that, illustrating the connection between the word and physical creation. We talk about Wordsworth's poem, The World is Too Much With Us. Again, the world reflects God. And um, Richard Wilbur's love brings us to the things of this world. We're talking about love. We're talking about how God's creation uh, brings us to the world and brings us to himself. So we have that duality between creation and the spiritual parts of our lives, creation and the word of God. Um, so we're going to blend also uh, Pastor uh, Snodgrass's uh, um, lesson last year, last week with what we're doing this week. Um, I'm going to use the same key verse that... Uh, that Ben used last week, Romans 8.13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, the flesh, but if by the flesh uh, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Okay? For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now, Pastor Snodgrass last week talked about imperative and indicative. Okay? We use those words just to make you look smart or try to make you look smart. But what does that mean? Is this verse imperative, okay, meaning telling you what to do, 
Okay? Mom says, take out the garbage. That's imperative, right? Or is it indicative? Is it just telling you what is going to happen? Okay? Is it imperative or is it indicative? Listen to it again. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Okay? Is that an instruction? Or is that God telling you what's going to happen in either circumstance? Might be a little bit of both. Okay? We might look at it in both ways. We know uh, to an extent it's indicative because God determines all things, right? We know that it's something that we know is going to happen because God determines that. And he's told us in his word here in this verse that that's the way it's going to be. But God is sovereign. Where else We also have a feeling of responsibility, don't we? Okay? We feel in our love for Christ that we want to be a particular way. So we adopt some of that responsibility. Okay, God changes our hearts. We develop a relationship with him, and we do take on some of that responsibility. So God is sovereign, but we also have responsibility that he gives us, but also that we adopt ourselves. So we're going to talk about that with regard to the mechanics of relationships. How does God make that work? Remember, verbal communication made by God. You know, we, all, we always, in reform circles, everything's made by God. God determines all things, yes. But think about verbal things particularly. Verbal is established by God. We know that because we have his Bible. We have the big book, right? He's determined that that's the way he's going to get through to us. Part of what we want to talk about today is how that works. God speaks to us. How does that work in our mind? Okay, we know it does. Ben talked about that last week. We know it works. But this week we're going to talk about really how it works. Um, Also, we've said before, verbal relationships are the way love is generated. And we're going to talk about both in conversation, in a conversational sense, in a literary sense, or if you want, in a media sense, movies, TV shows, those kinds of things. In all those, from way, way, way back, from actually Ur of the Chaldees, Okay, remember that? Um, From Ur of the Chaldees, we have written, things written down that talk about these relationships and how these relationships work. So there's a standard, there's a common way that these things happen. Um, God reveals himself to us through his word. We call that self-disclosure. God is telling you about himself. We'll talk about that more later. That helps us that helps. That's how God generates, generates our love for him. There's another aspect of this. God doesn't just talk. You guys know from reading the Bible, this isn't just a simple story, okay? There's a lot of things that make you think, that make you wonder. So a statement is made, God adds wonder to that. It's called stretch in a, in a literary sense. If you're reading a novel, it's called stretch. You stretch that story a little bit. It's just not a just not the common, regular story that you hear. There's a little more added to that. And God does that. God adds that stretch. He adds that wonder that gets our attention. Very specific way that that happens. And we'll talk more about that as well. So this is communicated to the Christian, okay? Is it communicated to the non-Christian? Probably not, okay? Is the non-Christian going to get it? Is he going to understand the wonder? Is he going to understand the stretch? 
Is he going to be involved in this relationship of receiving the word of God and then actually talking back to God as well? It's a relationship between Christian and God that builds love, okay? And we'll talk again about how that conversation builds love. Um, We'll talk about how prayer is our self-disclosure to God. We get together with God. We can say all kinds of stuff. We can can, uh, get a form prayer out of a book. We can write a form prayer. So often we're hesitant about what we say to God, aren't we? We may not want to confess everything that we've done. God knows it, right? We know that. God knows. But there's a special thing about confessing, about me saying it to you. Suppose you know that I've done something bad. I scraped somebody's car in the parking lot today, and you saw me do it, okay? And um, I didn't tell anybody. I wasn't going to admit to it. But suppose I came to you, and you're the only one, and I admitted to you that I scratched that car, okay? That gives us a special relationship, doesn't it? It brings us closer together. It's a secret that I've told you. So when we pray, we are engaging in self-disclosure with God. Even though he knows it, it means something special that you're willing to say it to him. We'll talk more about that later as well. So self-disclosure also generates interest. If I tell you something specific about myself, a secret in particular, you're going to go, oh, he thinks I'm special. And he's telling me something special about himself, something unusual. So that draws you in. That self-disclosure, that telling of that secret draws people together. And that's the way it happens in literature. And that's really the way it happens in our relationship with God as well. We know a lot of what we read in the Bible is cryptic, isn't it? You know, you don't understand it. All those generations, some of those stories, you don't know how they apply. And you ask yourself, what's God trying to tell me? And for Christians, with a lot of stuff, not with everything, we finally get an understanding of it. But non-Christians don't, okay? They don't get that spiritual understanding of it. Um, when we finally, uh, when, you, when you look at the way the Bible is, there's a lot of what we might call secrets or special revelations in there, things that only we understand and we don't understand at all. So God is engaging in that uh, self-disclosure. His revelation, you might think of, as self-disclosure, God telling us secret things about himself, okay? Um, These are willful acts, and Ben made this uh, point last week, okay? The will, he defines a good definition. The will is the decision-making center of who I am, okay? It expresses who you are. The will, you decide to do something, very much expresses who you are. God's will expresses who he is. That's why we watch what he does. That's why we watch providence, so we get to know him better. So, But this conversation that happens isn't mystical. It's not something that's planted in your brain some way, okay? Uh, it's a conversation between you and God. We have something that we read that implants these things in our mind. We have a mind that works and responds to God. So it involves the will. It involves you deciding what you're going to say to God. Your own self-disclosure is an expression of your will. 
So, you remember we've talked about how love gives us assurance. That's one of the big things about our love relationships, isn't it? People that we love. We get an assurance from that person. Well, our love relationship with God is a big part of our assurance. That's been our theme for the last couple of weeks. The fact that this love develops is a source of assurance for the mature Christian. Um, So this conversation that uh, God draws us to, it's verbal. If you look at John 1, I think I have that on your handout. Um, John 1, the Word became flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Let's run through that. First verse, it's about the word, about this conversation. This is one of our, probably all of our, one of our favorite passages in the Bible, okay? It's one that we can, a lot of us can just recite, right? And it's about the word. It's about Jesus Christ being the word, isn't it? In the beginning was the word. This is conversation. And this is what the point I'm trying to make today is our relationship with um, God is developed as a result of our conversation with him. What he says to us and what we say back to him. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Okay? He gives himself to us through his word. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. So we have the word and we have all of creation. God speak to us through his word, but we also know God somewhat through his creation as well. Verse 3 says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Okay? Our relationship with God is our life. Do we know life without that relationship? No, we don't. Okay? Nobody really knows life without their relationship with God. And here again, we're saying that life comes as a result of our conversation with God. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it, okay? Some people live in darkness, our own darkness, before we're regenerated, before we're converted, before we're born again, okay? Our own darkness keeps us from knowing God the way we should know. God's light still shines. It's still there. still shines through you, okay? But you're not absorbing that light like the Christian person would. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. We have a blockage sometimes, don't we? Ben talked about um, uh, conversion, regeneration last week. That regeneration immediately is light for you, isn't it? It's immediately a part of sanctification, isn't it? That conversion is the beginning of sanctification, that regeneration is. So um, 
He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. The world doesn't know until they are regenerated, until their hearts are changed. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. We were like that, weren't we? We've all been regenerated. We've all been curious. But, you know, our lives before regeneration was what? A life that was self-oriented, that was possessive. We want to keep everything we have, even our spiritual lives. We want to have of ourselves, right? It's something we want to be sovereign over. That's the person that's not converted. You could say, well, I'm spiritual, okay? But that spiritual, that spirituality may be all self-contained. It may be all within yourself. We'll talk about that a little bit more later, too. Uh, but to all who did receive him, to those who were regenerate, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who are born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Okay? Born of God. And we've been saying that happens through his word. Okay? And we'll talk more about that conversation. So assurance. We've talked about assurance. Love is assurance, okay? Assurance is love. goes both ways. That's our relationship with God. We've talked about assurance being a full immersion in God. How do you know? How do you have assurance? Big question. Everybody asks that question all the time. How do you have assurance? And we've mentioned, um, you know, some things. We've talked about um, George Herbert's poem, Colossians 3.3. 3 summarize my life is hid in him that is my treasure okay summary of that poem you have that in one of your previous hands out my life is hid in him that is my treasure your life is is totally contained in jesus christ okay it's a um it's another passage that at colossians 3 3 that that makes a statement but there's also a little bit of stretch there, isn't it? You ask yourself, how is my life hid? How does God hide me within himself? You actually have a, a fusion of sorts, a spiritual fusion with God. And so that little story of belief, of being converted, of being in God, also is a bit of a secret, isn't it, for us? It's a secret uh, because we have a sense, God has given us a sense of what it's like to be in him, okay? My life is hid in him that is my treasure, okay? It's a little bit of a secret. Our lives are hid. We're completely immersed in God. Our lives are so immersed in God that we may not even, we may not even ask ourselves about assurance anymore. When are you sure, okay, about that other person? Perhaps it's when you stop asking the question, right? Am I sure about who God is, about his holiness, about his sovereignty, okay, about uh, his love for us? Same with a person. Are you sure about that person's love for us? Well, maybe you're really sure about it when you stop asking that question. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have that, that question. In our fallen state, we still have that question, okay? We still don't, we're not sure about ourselves, we're not sure about God's love for us, even though he tells us that. Our assurance comes, though, as we less and less ask ourselves if we're really sure about our relationship with God. When we finally get there, I'm going to predict, okay, the wild prediction, okay? When we get there, we're going to stop 
asking that question. We're going to stop saying, does God really love me? Is God God? Is God holy? Our assurance uh, will uh, be that perhaps we no longer ask that question. So, we have this conversation with God. He speaks to us. It comes to us through our ears and to our minds, to our hearts, okay? Our response is what? To talk back. You can't have a relationship unless there's two sides of this conversation. And how do we talk back to God? You guys know this. Okay, Ben talked about it last week in uh, his sanctification lesson. How do we talk back to God? Prayer, it's pretty easy, right? Think about prayer as telling God your secrets, okay? God knows what's in your mind, what's in your heart. He knows your secrets. But again, it means something that you say it to him. You tell him that secret that's in your heart. It means something. As we illustrated earlier, it means something between us if I tell you something unusual about myself. And so prayer is uh, our way of talking back to God. So prayer, praise, confession, self-disclosure, telling God about ourselves. Might, might, might sound silly, doesn't it, in that God knows everything. But in fact, you're telling him is a way of, of building that relationship. Praise of God is also kind of a secret, isn't it? Okay? Think about when you're out in society here and you talk about praising God. A lot of people you might have worked with for a long time, and do they know that you praise God truly? Do they know how you praise God? Even in your prayers, okay, in worship, as we praise God, praise is a kind of secret. It's a it's a particular interaction between us and God. And um, prayer is a form of intimacy with God. Praising God is a form of intimacy with him as well. It's part of our relationship. The other side of this is, what if we fail to do that? What if we fail to talk back to God, to tell those secrets that are in our heart, even though he knows them, but for you to say it to him, okay? That damages the relationship, doesn't it? It, does, it makes it that relationship's not quite as close. So this way of looking at things, and this is, we're not talking about any mysticism here. We're not talking about spooky stuff, okay? Fact is, this is a real conversation between you and God. So um, we can violate that by not participating in that conversation very well the more we participate in that conversation, not only in self-disclosure, but praise, telling God that secret about yourself, about how much you love him, how much you praise him. Only he knows that about you. You can tell lots of people about how you love God and you praise him, tell people a lot of things. But really, uh, God is the one who really knows the extent of that, knows that secret about you. Okay, so our own self-disclosure is important in this relationship. Now, um, we've talked in the past about Augustine's idea of knowing. You know, Augustine has this way of describing how we know things. And we've talked about the curious and the studious, okay? Um, the curious, okay? The curious are those. And these are his terms, okay? They may not be great terms, but this is something that's kind of cemented in philosophy. But the curious are those, you might think of those that are not regenerate. 
they're closed within themselves, if they go out to find something else, was there a scientist or an observer of some kind or other, it's all this, I observe, I draw it in myself, that little bit of knowledge is my own. If I share it to you, I might even charge you for it, okay? I might write a book and say, here, I'll give this to you if you pay me, okay? Or if you're at university, you might say, I'll give you my bit of information if you pay me. The curious are very closed in, okay? Uh, they're very much to themselves. They're not uh, working uh, to interact with anybody, let alone God. So that's the curious, curious. Are you being, you know, mom used to say, are you being too curious about these things? Curious has some negative connotation. In Augustine's view, using the term in this way, it's negative. You want to know something for really just the purpose of knowing it, for no other reason, okay, to hold it within yourself and not to share it with anybody else. That's the curious. The studious are different. The studious want to know something so they can give it to somebody else. You can be a, a scientist of some kind and you learn something. Why? Because you want to do something for mankind. You know, if you're a medical professional, you learn so that you can help other people. Same with sociologists, psychologists, policemen, all kinds of people want to do when they're studious. Their goal is to learn to give to other people. Okay? But you know, we, as unregenerate people, before we're born again, we tend to be in the curious category. We isolate ourselves. You could look at Adam and Eve, for example, isolating themselves from God. Isn't that what they did? With the eating of the forbidden fruit, they closed themselves off from God. Okay? Um, same with uh, a lot of others. Uh, Israel became like that. We look at uh, Isaiah forty twenty seven. I think that's on your handout. I can't remember. I'm sorry. Uh, Isaiah 40, 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? We know that God knows, right? But we live as if we're in this little container, okay? We live as if we're isolated from everybody else, but also from God. We're controlling. We're isolated. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, saying, my way is hidden from the Lord, my right, my right is disregarded by God. This conversation that we're engaged in with God, okay, is a way of also saying that we reveal all of our secrets to God. God reveals secrets to us as well. So self-disclosure is important. Um, there's no assurance for the curious, Okay. If you're going to isolate yourself within your little bit of knowledge, you don't have any insurance, assurance. You haven't established that relationship with God that gives you love and assurance. You don't participate. If you don't participate in self-disclosure, like God does, God self-discloses, if you don't, okay, you're not going to have that relationship, you're not going to have that love relationship, and you're not going to have assurance. Um, talk about more of that in a bit. So, I call this the paradigm of intimate conversations. How does it work? What is the pattern? Okay, the paradigm. And this is also what generates love. We talked about this a bit the last time. We have two characters here. We have the wooer and the wooed, right? person who wants to woo somebody. And we have the one who is wooed, okay? The wooer, suppose they're having a conversation 
I could give you an illustration. I think I have a little bit of time, but probably not. But I'll give you the illustration anyway, okay? Uh, young orthopedic surgeon walks into the cafeteria at the hospital. He's got his scrubs on. He's looking really good. He's got his name on the scrubs and trying to find a place to sit. And uh, he finds one place to sit, which looks good to him. There's a nurse at that table that he knows and he's been sort of interested in, okay? Um, sits down and... How is he going to start this conversation? He's interested in that person. How is he going to develop a bit of intimacy? He's going to self-disclose, isn't he? If you want to develop any intimacy at all, you have to disclose a secret about yourself. Think about that. We've all done that one way or other. We've all done that. We become close to somebody else by revealing a secret about ourselves. So he's wondering what to say, and he says... I'm an orthopedic surgeon. And she goes, yeah, I know. Dime a dozen. What difference does that make? Everybody knows that. You're an orthopedic surgeon. We know that. And he sees it's not working. So what does he say? He wants to reveal something intimate, secret about himself. And so finally he says to her, I ride a motorcycle. Like for orthopedic surgeons, that's really bad, okay? They're fixing all these broken bones all the time. I know orthopedic surgeons that ride motorcycles, okay? I never understood why they do. Most of them won't do it. And I, I have to tell you with my story here, it's a true story, but the names are changed to protect the innocent, like in Dragnet, right? But at any rate, why would an orthopedic surgeon ride a motorcycle? Well, this guy wanted to hide the fact that he had a motorcycle, but he gives this little bit of intimacy to this nurse across the table. And so she starts to get interested, okay? Motorcycle, well, motorcycle, lots of people ride motorcycles, not usually orthopedic surgeons. And so he wants to add a little bit to it, okay? He wants to add a little bit of stretch, a little bit of wonder to his story, right? So he tells her that he rides an Italian motorcycle, okay? Kind of esoteric, right? He rides an Italian motorcycle. Now she's interested. Her brain is activated. Italian motorcycle, well, that's kind of cool. So then the conversation's in her lap, and she decides she's interested in this guy. Wasn't before. He's told her a story, secret, giving it some stretch, giving it some wonder, okay? And she says to him, well, you know, when I was growing up, my dad and I used to build motorcycles, okay? We used to actually build cafe racers, right? Those are those sort of smaller motors. They're not hogs like we see around here, but they're small racers. We build cafe racers. Well, the orthopedic surgeon is even more interested now. Why? He's revealed a secret to her that he doesn't want anybody else to know, okay? I saw this guy ride his motorcycle once. I mean, he looked like the Michelin man. He had so much padding, head to toe. He didn't want to get hurt, okay? But that was his secret, okay, that he gave to her. She gives a secret back. My dad and I rebuilt motorcycles, cafe racers, in fact. A bit of a secret and a bit of stretch as well. So they both become interested in each other. What happens after that is this conversation goes back and forth. And they continually add more secrets to their conversation. And what happens? Uh, they become more and more and more interested in each other. 
Now, I think most, most of you have had that experience in your life. We all have, actually, one way or the other. We've had that experience, this type of relationship developing because you've said something secret or intimate to somebody else. It grows the relationship. And as you go along, it grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. It gets bigger all the time. Um, and as we said, God does this with us. Our conversation with God is the same way. He reveals secrets to us. After we're regenerate, those secrets develop wonder. He actually gives wonder to us in the Bible, doesn't he? All those interesting stories, those interesting relationships, the interesting things about Jesus Christ, interesting thing about God the Father and the Holy Spirit. He tells us these intimate things that a lot of people are not going to understand. That gets our interest, okay? And then we talk back to him. We pray. We participate in the sacraments. We listen to um, his word and respond to that. Uh, these things, the, to avail yourself of the means of grace is to have God talking with you and then in your prayers, you're talking back to him. You're revealing these intimacies back to him. And that grows and grows and grows in the same way that these interpersonal relationships grow that I just described. It's a love relationship, okay? It's a relationship that grows in the same way that relationships among people grow. Uh, we have the stretch. We have the wonder. We want to have that relationship that is sort of secret or intimate but adds wonder to that person. Um, this also speaks to the issue of provocation. Okay, I just wanted to add, this is kind of an aside. You guys know I like provocation. I'm a provoking kind of personality. You guys all know that. Um, Harold Bloom says, what? We get, what we get from another is never learning, but always provocation. If you're talking to somebody else, what do you want to do? Or if you're writing something for somebody else, if God is writing for us, he wants to provoke us, okay? He wants you to say, wow, okay? There's a bit of wonder there, a bit of unusual there, and God gives us the unusual. So provocation is important. You should be provoked when you read the Bible, when you hear sermons, when you partake of the means of grace, you know, see baptism, Lord's Supper, you should be provoked by all of that. So it's very similar kind of things. Um, the other thing is, is when we give a secret, intimate conversation to somebody else, what are we doing? We're letting down our guard, okay? And that person that you're talking to realizes that. And it's also part of what draws you together in that relationship. You know, the nurse says, the orthopedic surgeon, whew, he never told that to anybody else. I know it's a secret. I know he doesn't want anybody else to know. So that's important that he told that secret to me. It's um, part of what draws us together in these conversations. So eventually you end up with Augustine's concept of love. You guys remember what that is? Somebody's got to give me the word. Anybody but Gene. But who, who knows the word that's associated with with what's that? Huh? Well, no, it's actually I was looking for a, an English word as as Augustine describes. He says love is a kind of craving. Okay, how do we develop that craving in somebody else? It's by developing this intimacy. Okay, I told you something, a secret about myself. 
I've made it interesting, you become interested, and actually there's a biochemistry associated with this that we'll talk about soon. So after this relationship is formed, I think I have this quote uh, from Fletcher's book as to what happens hereafter. This is a growing, a spiraling relationship, secret, secret, intimacy, intimacy, interest, interest. It grows and grows and grows and grows, just like our relationship with God grows. Our relationship and our personal relationships grow. Um, it deepens and deepens and deepens. Now, does that have to go on forever? Okay. Do I have to be interesting to my wife forever? I failed a long time ago. Okay. That interest actually comes from the love that you've already generated. I don't have to be constantly doing unusual things. Okay. I don't have to go up on the roof to fix the antenna, do strange things to get her attention. Because once you've established this spiral of interest in one another, it grows and grows. I just want to read this quotation from Fletcher. I hope it's on your, on your handout. It says, as, do, as love deepens, the second part of the blueprint, the stretch becomes less important. The wonder becomes less important. We no longer have to seduce our loved one with dazzle. We can simply confess our intimate secrets in all their humdrum ordinariness and we'll still deepen our emotional bond. It still grows. Okay, that's the real wonder of love, not needing anything more wondrous than ourselves. Okay, sounds a little egotistic, but that's a fact. You present yourself. This is your secret relationship with the one that you love. And God has a secret relationship with each one of us. It's intimate with each one of us. We know a lot of the same things. We have doctrine, so forth and so on. But your relationship with God is very individual. It's an individual, intimate, secret relationship with him. Um, so it's a spiral. God talks to us. We talk back to him. Uh, we continue this conversation uh, forever. Um, talked about failure to engage. We have to engage with God. We have to pray. Think about this relationship in this conversation Okay, this is the way it works. This is not mystical, as Ben said last week. It's not mystical. This is not, I don't know, fairy food or whatever. This is the way relationships work. This is the way our relationship with God works. It's a conversation back and forth. What if you don't hold up your end? Okay, well, that relationship suffers. It doesn't grow, does it? If you don't read the Bible... Listen to sermons, participate, avail yourself of the means of grace, baptism, Lord's Supper. Um, what if, if you don't do that, your relationship doesn't grow as quickly? Now, God's participating. He's bringing you to himself, but you need to participate in this uh, relationship. Um, it's not mystical. It's real. I was... I'm going to digress again. I'll probably not get to the end of my talk, but I'm going to digress again. I was at a funeral last week, and um, uh, it was a Catholic funeral. You know, all the mysticism, the ringing bells, right? The, the uh, incense all over. You have to anoint the altar. You've got to do this. You've got to anoint the priest. You know, all the stuff that's going on. And I understand what they were doing. I've read about it. I know what they're trying to get across. I can't imagine how, how most people understand it, but that's all mystical, okay? 
the Catholic way of going about these things is all mystical. This is not mystical. This is a direct conversation between you and God, God speaking to you and um, and uh, we speaking back to him. And again, this relationship means that we connect. We're not curious. We're not isolated. We're open with God. We haven't closed ourselves down like Adam and Eve did. Okay, We're not going off into our own little corner and being religious or mystical, okay? It's a relationship with God. Um, It's an openness. Same with people, okay? Our relationships between people are open as well. Great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, okay? That's a conversation. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's an open relationship. I brought an object lesson for you today. I'm digressing all over the place today, but I'll go ahead and do it. Take the So, two glass balls, okay? You see this one, very dark blue. Hard to see through that, isn't it? This one's clear. It's open, okay? This is the curious person closed in on himself, okay? The curious person closed in not really letting much of himself out to those around him, to God or to his friends, to his wife, to whomever, okay? He's closed in. Now, we said that before, reading John 1, the light pervades the universe, doesn't it? Well, the light still goes through this ball. It's translucent. I don't know if you can see that or not. It's translucent, okay? But it's closed in. God's still there. God still influences it, but it's closed in. Here's the studious one, the one who learns for the purpose of relationship with God or with anybody else, for the purpose of putting it out to other people, okay? So the curious, the curious closed in, the studious open to their relationship with God and to others as well. Love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. So see where we are, okay? That's the two balls that are printed on your, first two balls that are printed on your handout. If you guys go to the internet, it's much prettier in, uh, in, on the internet than when it's not in color. So regeneration is that time when we become studious rather than curious, okay? We are open to our conversation with God. Now, let's take a little bit of time. We don't have a lot of time, but this is like the most important part. Okay, because this shows us the relationship between what I've been talking about, this conversation, and what actually happens in the human being. Okay, and this is chemistry, this is biochemistry. Okay, Uh, I did this for Roy, actually, our chemist. Um, The spiral of intimate speech what happens when the orthopedic surgeon reveals something to the nurse? Okay. What happens in her brain? And we know this happens. You can actually image this these days. They can image your neurotransmitters. How do you like that? They can see what's going on in here. Orthopedic surgeon says, I have a motorcycle, and it's an Italian motorcycle. What happens? The dopamine in her brain increases at the end of the nerve endings, okay? Those nerve endings are almost, they're excited in your brain. We can see that when this happens as this conversation is taking place. The dopamine increases. She feels 
a bit of pleasure as a result of that. Dopamine is the neurotransmitter that gives us a feeling of pleasure in our brains. So this intimate disclosure actually correlates with what's going on in the listener's brain. In the listener's brain, dopamine increases. Okay? That's how this interest, in, in this, uh, this interest develops, how it happens physiologically. Now, we said after that, the, the nurse, right, says something intimate about herself. You know, I built cafe racers. Remember that? Well, what that does for her is she reveals a secret about herself. That dopamine gets released in her brain. And as a result, there's even more going on in here in terms of interest for the orthopedic surgeon. Okay, The wooed, the wooer, tells a secret. The wooed develops this interest. Okay, She tells a secret. That secret goes to the wooer, Okay, to the orthopedic surgeon. What happens? The dopamine increases in his brain. And then he tells a secret. As he tells his secret, another secret to the nurse, that dopamine is released in his own brain, and there's more dopamine increased in her brain. So as these secrets go back and forth, the physiology builds up and builds up and builds up until finally you have a love relationship. At the initial part of that, we said last time I spoke, you have kind of infatuation. Oh, that sounds cool, you know, Italian motorcycle. But as these secrets go back and forth, that relationship gets bigger, 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 closer, 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 okay? And uh, you end up with a love relationship as a result. And that relationship uh, is very stable, keeps going on and on as a result of, of exchanging back and forth. Now, look at the ping-pong ball part of your sheet. This is an illustration of that. You see the two plain white ping-pong balls at the top. And uh, that's before the conversation. I just wanted to illustrate this in sort of a, a physical way. So in the next uh, line, you guys, you guys see that on your handout? Okay. You don't? Oh. He's got it. Oh. Got to have our, uh, got to have the right handout. Gene, did you mess it up? It had to be you. You're sitting next to the handout. So it had to be you. So you guys have that on your handout or not? Yes, no. Okay. What's that? Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. First two balls, plain white, nothing going on. The second line. The person on the left tells the secret to the one on the right, and what happens? The dopamine increases, the interest increases, you know, she gets a sense of pleasure. Third line, she speaks back to him. Dopamine increases in his brain. You can see by the, uh, the deeper um, color, the deeper shade there. So now they're both, okay, their dopamine's going, okay? And then in the last one, as they're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, you've got this um, really hyper-stimulation of your brain that causes this relationship, okay? Um, then finally, the final picture is you see one sphere inside another. Those two spheres are together, 
okay? It's an ongoing love relationship. I think this last picture really is more of a depiction of our relationship with God. We're immersed in him, okay, as a result of this conversation. Um, We're immersed in our life with God, our love for him, his love for us. But as I conclude here again uh, today, and we'll talk a little bit more about this next time, um, this conversation is important and it's real. It's not mystical. This is what happens to you when God talks to you, another person talks to you in an, in an intimate way, tells you this secret, you have this intimate conversation. This is truly what happens. And so we see the coming together of, say, the spiritual and the physical. This is the physical universe that God created. This is how God made it. So that as we develop this increased love relationship with God, it's not a mystery, okay, as to how it happens. We know some of how it happens now. It's got an exact um, way of interchange that we see in literature all the way back to Ur of the Chaldees, okay? Um, Goes through all of literature, Shakespeare, modern literature. These relationships are there. They're even on TV, okay? That exchange, that way of exchange is the paradigm. It's the method that God created, okay? It's real. It's not mystical. And um, so we don't need to think about how does this happen? We know how it happens. We know how God has made it happen, how his creation has made this work in this way. And so between now and next time, I'd like for you, if you would, think about these conversations about the growth about the fact that this is simply something that happens in your brain. Yes, your will is associated with it, but your will is part of what builds this up, that builds up this relationship. And uh, we'll move on from here about more about maturity. We can see the curious. Does the curious develop a mature relationship? No, he's not exchanging, okay? Uh, The studious does. We can see that those who are uh, regenerate uh, have that kind of communication with God that allows that relationship to grow and that it's real and that it's physiologic, okay? Well, let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this time.